And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally. This week we're changing from our usual routine of a lot of hurlers and we're switching our attention to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, footballer of all time from Wexford, Mr. Matty Ford. Matty, thanks a million for taking my call this evening. No problem at all, Eddie. Matty... Just to get straight into it, the first thing I want to ask you is, uh, I just flicked on to Wikipedia. Obviously, I know you, I enjoyed watching you play all my time, but I flicked on to Wikipedia for the crack, you know, just to see if I pick up a few funny stats. But the first stat I've seen, I assume you put this into Wikipedia, Matty Ford's height. What would you think it says on Wikipedia? I, well, I definitely didn't put it into it, but I think it's wrong. I think it says six foot five. Which is <laughs> it does, not, which is not, not the case anyway. So no, no, I, I wouldn't have mind being six foot five, but no, it's definitely not that anyway. No, I looked. I, I just, I, I actually burst out laughing because a, a mutual friend of ours, Matthew Flynn O'Connor, he likes to think he's taller than he is the whole time, um, and I could just picture him putting in of his his own stat to say six foot five. But um, obviously, I think you're just just under six foot one. Does that sound about right? No, it's not. It's it's just on the point of six foot three. Um, six foot three, Jesus. So it's 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 a little bit in between, yeah. So I often got slagged a bit about maybe being too tall to be playing corner forward, but uh, look at it. I wasn't I wasn't too worried about it. Um, but yeah, that's what it is actually. Uh, to be fair no 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 you were a big man there was no two ways around that Matty just kind of the, the way it works with the Clash Act what we do is we look back on different players careers and different things in it, and then we look kind of to the modern game and, and, and where they are at the moment but you know when I was living in Wexford and kind of it's a long time back now you know I was there for the glory days of Wexford football and one of the biggest catalysts of that was obviously yourself um, like you had some wonderful years in the Wexford football jersey um, yeah, look, we we definitely did. Obviously, probably preceded by some really, really bad ones, which I think were probably a catalyst in itself to to having some good years. And um, you know, when I started in, I think I made my debut in '99 um, with the seniors. And look, at, we we would have been at a, a pretty low ebb at that stage. You know, we were we were really poor. We were kind of going nowhere. Um, you know, and we there was a core group of us there that that appeared around that time for maybe three, four years, like said Philip Wallace and Colin Morris and uh, David Murphy and Redmond Barry and a few. And look, we kind of got to the stage where we just got, so probably just been sick of being beaten the whole time and we wanted to try and raise our game and stuff like that. So, um, look, thankfully we got it, kind of got it going in the right direction. Um, look, we didn't, we didn't have a huge success, um, you know, in terms of silverware, but look, we certainly, I think, managed to, to raise the profile and, Anyone who had an interest in Wexford football at the time, um, I think certainly had a, a few decent days out and a few decent probably years out around around those years, you know, uh, with that team. And, you know, I think it certainly uh, lifted Wexford football probably to a, to a new high um, that it probably hadn't been at for a long, long time before that. Yeah, because like, like, I remember I moved to Wexford in, in, in 2002. I came back from Germany. So I was, I was probably blessed because obviously I'm a massive football fan myself, but I was blessed that I arrived in Wexford at the right time for me um, to start enjoying, you know, watching Wexford playing. And, and, and I got to see some some brilliant games. Like he, 2004 stands out, you know, as a brilliant league. And uh, that season, you you yourself had a, had a wonderful league campaign as well. But you named a lot of players that, that all came and kind of won smack, if you know what I mean. The likes of, say, Adrian Flynn, John Hegarty, PJ Bamville, David Murphy, the Fogarty chap, Redmond Barry, Colin Morris. Like... There was even even Anthony Masterson in the goal. Like there was just there was a, a glut of really good Wexford footballers all hitting at the same time. It was that, you know, was that just lucky that everyone came at that age, or was that something that you think happened by design in some way? No, look, to be honest, a certain absolutely huge amount of it, I think was, was pure luck. It was just the, the age profile of a lot of us. Um, John Hegarty would have been a little bit older, and he was still obviously w- was one of the main players when I arrived. 
um, at the time and, and when a lot of us arrived. But I think John finished around, you know, 2005, six somewhere along there. So he would have been there for 2004 from, from what I can remember. But, um, you know, the, the likes of said Philip, uh, Colm, myself, Red, David Murphy, Anthony, uh, Eric Bradley, Paddy Colford, David Fogarty, we were all would have been very similar age profile. I think there's only probably a year or two um, between most. And then obviously look, there, was a, there was plenty of other players, you know, PJ Banville and Kieran Ling obviously were a little bit younger than us. Um, were actually a few years younger than us, but you know, they came in and, and really strengthened the thing up in terms of forwards as well. I think they were, they were obviously two top quality footballers as well. So we look, we were a bit lucky that we all we all came at the one time, but I think we kind of we we kind of made the best of it. Um, look, we we didn't obviously go and win stuff as I said earlier, which we would have really liked as something really meaningful, like a Leinster title even. But um, you know, I think from where we were, say in '99, you know, where you know it was just you know, it was pathetic to be honest. Um, you know, it was nice to actually go and get to have some big days out and, you know, play, we, like we were lucky enough to play a huge amount of games in Croke Park and big championship matches and league finals and stuff like that. So, you know, it was it was nice to play in, in, in games like that. And, uh, you know, it was, but it was the whole crew, you know, it'd be very hard to, you know, people have said this over the years about, you know, it's about Matty Ford doing it. You know, all these lads deserve every bit as much credit. You wouldn't, you, you can't get to those sort of levels on your own and you know, all of those along with plenty more guys and management and stuff uh, got us to where we were um, so yeah look at it was enjoyment it was, they were great days and like in your initial breaking into the Wexford Senior Football Panel when you, when you came in first in, in, in 99 like I, I know it's, it's easy to say it, that the results weren't going well and you know it, like it was a tough time for Wexford there was a lot of drubbins handed in there and it, I'm more interested in what the setup was like behind the scenes because you're in a dual county where Hurling is the focus. Like Hurling gets, you know, Hurling gets preferential treatment. It was three years after Wexford had won in All Ireland in '96. So obviously, you know, Hurling was definitely going to be the four. But what was the football setup like from a, a management point perspective? If you get me, do you know what I mean? The actual setup, the professionalism, of training and whatnot. What was it like when you initially broke in there? Yeah, well, my my first um, time going into the panel was late um, 1999. So that that stage the National League just actually start in October so you'd play three National League games before Christmas and four after obviously the whole National League now starts in you know the first week of February kind of end of January so um, you know you go straight from the club season straight into the county so look at my first manager or my first ace of senior JJ Barrett would have been the manager JJ is no longer with us unfortunately he passed away um, during, during last year he was a Kerry man who came in and took over Wexford but um, look at, to be fair it was a bit kind of haphazard at the time and we only realised this I suppose in subsequent years when we had the likes of Jason Ryan in and he brought the, the level of professionalism from the from the very top um, to a, just to a whole new level um, look at it, to be fair we did start to make progress and uh, like I really put down and I've always said this that the beginning of the the revival of sorts started under JJ Barrett where he really got an interest and we actually started winning a few league games that year which Wexford had, hadn't been really doing in a good number of years previously and we had a lot of there was so many really good footballers in, in the Wexford panel at that time it's just the organisation definitely wasn't there um, you know and I don't think that was anyone's fault in particular I don't think anybody really knew any different at the time to be fair like we had players obviously the likes of you know, Scott Dorn and John Harrington who uh, as well obviously are no longer with us um, Jason Lawler Jim Byrne John Hegarty you, know, you could keep going there was any number of really really good footballers but we just didn't have the organisation or probably the people over you know, with the best intentions didn't have the, the know-how what to do and look at players absolutely have to 
have to take a certain amount of responsibility. I know the first probably year I was there, you know, it was kind of commonplace for, for some of the older lads, you know, if we were away for a National League match to have a few points before the match, the night before the match, like, which <laughs> to me was just kind of, no, absolutely alien. I was in there for my first year. I wasn't going to be, be doing anything wrong or saying anything wrong. So you just kept your head down and, and kept playing. But, you know, that's, that's where we were at at that stage. And, you know, look at it, kind of no... It's no coincidence that we were getting the results because that's that's what uh, that's what was being done, you know, before games and you know in the lead up to games. So look, at we, as I said, I don't think anyone knew any different, but we just weren't preparing properly when you when you see where we went to what we were doing and you know, from the likes of 2004 and five onwards well if you if you take that like so if you look at some of the managers that you would have played under obviously Jason came in I think in 2008 7 or 8 wasn't it to around 2007 yeah, 2008. 2008 yeah yeah so before that you would have had Paul Beal in there uh, for, for, yeah. for a period of time like can, can you remember at which point were you seeing a manager coming in the door and you actually thought right hold on a second here now this is going to be you know, this is going to be very different than what we've been used to. This is us going to be taking over our comfort zone now and we're going to be starting to train like professional athletes. Or, you know, was there a, a moment like that that you kind of thought, here we go? Well, the, not at the, initially because, like, most of, you know, Paul came in and he hadn't really, uh, he hadn't been an inter-county manager at that stage. I would say the first guy who came in who really pushed the thing on from where we were with, with JJ would have been Pat Rolf. You know, there was, there was really good Wexer people involved there, um, from 99 there was Jared Halligan Dick Carty and Michal Furlong um, who were involved with JJ and then after that with, with Dom Toomey involved with Tommy Carr who was with us only for a very short period of time who, but who, we would have seen glimpses of it there of what what kind of professionalism was like or you know at, at that level uh, because he'd obviously been the double manager but he, he was only with us for, for part of the season which was a pity because all the lads would have felt he was excellent and we, you know, we really tried to get him on board but it didn't happen but Pat Rowe would have been the, the first one then who really pushed it on to a different level again. Um, and we just seen, you know, look, we, we had some some good days under Pat. We were obviously in a Division 1 league final against against Armagh, who were All-Ireland champions only a few years previous. So, um, you know, that started to put a bit of belief into guys that, you know, maybe there is something here. Now, look, at it did definitely go a bit backwards um, for a couple of years after Pat left. But then Jason came in and, you know, we were, we were at a stage now, a lot of us in our mid to late 20s who, you know, we wanted a kind of, I suppose, you know, really do something at this stage and look at he unknowingly because, you know, when he got the job, no one had heard of him, no one knew who he was. Um, but he really he really brought to a whole new level and to be honest, I don't probably think it's been there since. Um and that's no disrespect to anyone who's done the job, but J- Jason I think was just that good that no, he really, he really brought the whole thing forward in in, in leaps and bounds. Like it's, it, like it's very interesting that you say it. Like, for, like I will for for balance. I'm glad you mentioned Tommy Carr. I done a podcast a couple of months ago with another good friend of mine, Frankie Dolan from Roscommon, and I can say yeah. Frankie's Frankie's opinion of Tommy Carr be a lot different than the nice words that you've just yeah. said about Tommy Carr. So at least we've got some balance. They'll know that I've nothing against Tommy Carr here on this show. But like Jason Ryan, I remember when Jason Ryan was appointed, Maddie, and like. Like it was, it was shocked. I was really shocked because, you know, I would have known a lot of people in GA circles around the country, and he'd won the senior football club championship. I remember I was at the club final. It was um, was it Clangeen or was it was one of the smaller clubs? Clangeen, Clangeen about beaten Starlicks in, in yes. two thousand seven. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Yeah, and and Jason had Jason was managing them in that and it was it was a bit of a shock I suppose they were I'm not being insulting to any of them but they were a kind of shock winners of the championship and next thing this guy's the, the new Wexford senior football manager and I remember thinking you know God almighty 
you know, like Wexford are really taking a punt here. But I was lucky enough in that time to be allowed, Jason allowed me to go to watch a couple of the training sessions there where you trained and, and just how we done the whole setup. You know, the small things that were happening for you on, on, on training days. And I was just blown away by the just just how much he put into it. Like I I I think Wexford they really struck gold with Jason Ryan. Yeah, they did, and like I, I don't for a second doubt that it, it was a big risk. I, I still kind of like I genuinely didn't know who this fellow was, other than he, and he actually only he only took over Clangeen halfway through that season, which is kind of there was three at that stage of championship. He had a group of three matches that actually lost the first two, and he came in and they won the last one, and it's it's more or less unheard of for anyone to get through a group of three of a group of four where you have three games with two points, but they actually did on scoring difference and went on to win the championship, and like I. Other than that, we knew nothing about him. I think Jason was, was 33 when he took the job. Um, but like he just, you know, you said it yourself, or like the, the, the level of professionalism he had, like he, he was into everything. And I mean that in a good way, you know, he was into sports psychology. He was clearly into strength and condition and stuff like that. But in fairness, he got good people around him um, as well. But like he he would have been the main guy. If like if you came to a training session, you definitely wouldn't be under any illusion of who the who was running the team because, you know, he, he was very, very hands-on. But it's funny because, like, he said to himself on numerous occasions since, he was very nervous when he got the job of coming in to deal with um, with a senior football team who, you know, we, we, we've been in a Division 1 league final, so we were, I wouldn't say high profile, but there was a lot of re- fairly well-known players on it. So instead, initially, instead of meeting us all as a group, he actually met us one-on-one in Wexford Park. Um, he said he was he would have been too intimidated to meet as a group, which I find, you know, I just I, I laugh at it and I still do laugh at it and he laughs at it, but he, he, that that was the way he done it. But uh, look at it, it, it certainly it certainly worked out well in the end because um, you know we very very soon could see very clearly that this fellow meant business. Like the two thousand and eight season, though, Maddie. Like if you if you if you, if you do think about it, like in in a very short space of time like Jason Ford would have took over the team and, and, and nearly instantly like I mean you won the Division 3 title um, in the league with him uh, straight away and then okay in Leinster a good run in Leinster get to a Leinster final beaten by the Dubs but then it was the summer of dreams really for, for Wexford football I mean you know beating down getting to, beating Armagh getting to Northern semi-final like it's is it, when you look back on it now. Do you think you know that it's nearly freakish how fast a reaction this man was able to pull out of all these players? Uh, yes, uh, and no, probably to to a smaller extent. That like as I said, we it's only it was only two or three years previous, and a lot of us Ronnie would have been quite young at the time. We were in a Division One League final. You know, we were beating the likes of we'd actually beaten Armagh that year in the league stage of the National League. Now to beat as well in the final, but you know that said Ronnie All Ireland's. All earning champions three years previous or something like that. So this, they were still a really, really top team with a lot of top players. Um, so like we knew we could compete, and now look at all of a sudden we're probably three years older. You know, we we have a little bit more, a bit more, I suppose, street smartness about us, and you know, we're we're three years further down the line in terms of training and conditioning and stuff like that as well. But he, like he brought that to a whole new level, and to be honest, to us it wasn't a massive surprise. But the whole year is a, a kind of like it just flew by because. You know, we lost two matches all year, one to the Leinster champions, one to the All Ireland champions as it turned out. Um and we won the National League. So like the, the year literally I remember it it just flew by because you know, you're on a bit of a high, you're winning you're just winning games. We drew games a couple of games that year in the league that, you know, in previous years we wouldn't have had a hope. You know, we came from came from behind in a couple of occasions and got draws that we probably shouldn't have had and obviously won games, um, including the league final where we're under a good bit of pressure um, with, with Fermanagh and, and ended up winning an extra time. But And obviously the mean game then in, in Carlo. 
So, you know, once you get on a bit of a roll, and you know, we felt we could play a bit, and he was just he was able to had this knack of just giving lads confidence but look that comes from doing it, having a hell of a bank of training behind us and we, we certainly had that in 2008 I just, just looking at that season because I want to jump back on something else as well is on it but like I was at the game in, in, in Carlo against Mead like you were I think you Jesus you were you were probably 10 or 11 points down at half time it was you, you were on the way out of the championship it was it, you know it was a uh, it was a poor first half performance but the second half performance it was something I'd never you know I didn't see or I didn't expect from a Wexford team I remember listening to Liam Spratt afterwards on the radio I think he'd one of the commentators had said to him that you know Wexford could come back here and Liam Spratt said if if they come back I'll eat my shoes and then he was asking your man yeah. to pass some salt and pepper so he could eat his shoe like <laughs> it was comebacks like that you know that was just for me it was just a joy to watch but there's there's two small questions I have for you on this one it's I remember watching the Armagh game like I was I was at the Armagh game and then I remember watching a couple of months afterwards you know sometimes you'd flick back and look at different games and whatnot. and I remember listening to the commentators early in that Armagh game talking about you and I, I think Francie Bellew was probably it was probably Francie Bellew that was marking you I can't remember for definite but it was it was, it was yeah. yeah so the first two or three balls went in Maybe we'll say the first two balls went in. You didn't win either of the balls. Maybe maybe three balls, and, and he was getting the better. And and I can't remember who the co-commentator was, but he made a point of saying that, you know, maybe Ford's a little bit off the pace, or you know, suggesting maybe that your training and preparation hadn't been great for you, or whatever. You know, suggesting maybe that your fitness yep. was a bit of an issue. And and the commentator alluded to it. And I'll never forget the ball went out for a sideline, and you took the sideline kick yourself. Um, out on the 14 between the 14 and 21 straight over the black spot first point settled yourself into the game and then you went to town on them and I think you got 1-6 or 1-7 right and I remember kind of laughing watching it and there was one thing in my mind that I wondered and I just wondered from your perspective you didn't get an all-star in 2008 right and to me I don't think I ever seen a better championship from an individual player than your championship in 2008 and Wexford won the league do you think, and I know what people say about personal accolades and all that, do you think your suspension in 2007 haunted you a little bit in 2008 with commentators, with awards, things like that? You know, am I, am I being a bit too conspiracy theorist or is it something, that is there merit to what I'm saying? I probably, maybe a little bit of both, but I think first the, the suspension was actually in 2006. Right. So, uh, I, 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 you know what, I actually don't think it did. To be fair, because I remember there was four of us, I think, were nominated for All Stars. There was myself, Kieran, Colin Morris, and maybe Redmond Barry or Anthony Masterson, or maybe five. I can't remember, but like I was just very surprised that one, at least one Wexford footballer didn't get it. Which I said with the year we had, I know we'd lost in Leinster and we'd lost the Ireland semi final, but you know it'd be very rare that that and being in an Ireland semi final you wouldn't get at least one. Um, you know, we've obviously gone a huge amount further um, this year uh, than than we had in 2004 when he actually did win an All-Star. Now, look, at fair enough, I was top scorer in the league and the championship in 2004, but um, I actually would have felt I nearly actually played better uh, football in 2008. But look, I, you know, we, to be honest, we didn't make, a too, uh, make too big of a deal. But I don't actually think any of us were at the All-Stars. I think it was the day Colin Morris got married, as far, from what I can remember. But I just, I did find it strange. I thought... Kieran Ling looked to be a search for one because he had been outstanding all year as well, and obviously he scored that wonder goal in the semi-final. Um, and I think he was he was second or third highest scoring in the championship as well. So, look, at, I I didn't put too much past. I just I I thought I had played well, but I just thought with going off injured in the semi-final, um, 
and not finishing the match I thought that probably probably counted against me but look it wasn't I, I never made it too much of it to be honest yeah no it, like, look it's great I, you know you were you were Wexford's first ever all-star in football which you know it's a great accolade to, to, to have achieved on a personal level but no but genuinely like from me when I looked at it because I've, I've seen it in, in, in different sports people like Mary Lacey I don't think Mary Lacey has won the, the hurler of the year in, or the Camogie player of the year you know in, in, in a couple of seasons where I think she was a stonewall certainty and I think maybe a, a speech she gave after winning an All-Ireland might have prevented her from ever winning yeah. a, a player you know so, so sometimes the, these yeah, things yeah. can be uh, you know I'm not being unfair by saying it anyone that knows it knows I give my opinion and I and I genuinely believe that I think Mary was robbed of a few of them because of her speech when they won the All-Ireland but um, just 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 on, on, on the All-Ireland semi-final like Tyrone beat you that day by six points I think it was in the end um, you going off at half time you know was it the back again I can't remember what the injury was that you were going off at half time with, but you, you went off injured what what was the injury that made you come off at half time it must have been you must have been broke up to be no, going off I had I had I played the down game. Um, I damaged my hamstring after the Leinster final. I think playing playing with Kyle Nearn in the club championship match. So I played the down game and the Armagh game fairly heavily strapped on my hamstring um, in both those games because I wasn't I wasn't near 100. percent But I got through it. And look, we had I think we had two or three weeks. So it did it improved significantly before the semi final. So it wasn't well. It wasn't 100. percent I was happy, more than happy enough to play on it in the in the semi final, but. About 20 minutes in, I went for a ball underneath, over and underneath the Hogan stand, and Conor Gormley pushed me in the back, and I came down and went over my ankle. I tore ligaments in my ankle pretty badly, so I went in and just stood in front of the goal, basically for the last seven or eight minutes of the first half. And I came in and got up on the table. Like I could at this stage, I'd, I'd done it before, and it's, it's not a it's not a nice injury, but I got up on the table, and the the physio and doctor kind of went at it. And I think anyone who's who's done ankle ligaments will know you're not going to you're not going to get back up and walk out after five or ten minutes of physio on it or just after doing it so I strapped it up it didn't make any difference the doctor gave me an injection I just couldn't put weight on it I just I, I, I was on crutches for probably seven eight days after that um, but yeah look I just sure obviously this is the, the biggest game we'd ever played in to have to go off at half time you know most injuries you probably could get away with getting an injection of some sort but Ligaments, you know, particularly in your ankle, you're you're just you're not going anywhere with them. Um, so I suppose to have to go off and sit and look at the second half. And in fairness to him, the comeback they made was was unbelievable. Um, to get that close, I think we got it down to three points at one stage, either two or three with that goal. Do you remember? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, so to get it that close and look at be sitting looking at that was was tough going. It would have been like see, like I wondered as well, kind of when I was doing my research, kind of looking into this, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know. I always believed there wasn't a football team that I've seen that you wouldn't have been on. If you know what I mean, there was no team I didn't think you'd be good enough to be on it. But I remember thinking if I was managing Wexford or if I was involved in some way in that setup, how much of a crushing blow it would be to the rest of the group around you to see, you know, you're the leader on the team, you're one star player, you're a lad that's been in the trenches lots of times with these lads and, and, and pulled them out of it by the years on occasions. Like, it must have had a, an effect across the across the board with the team and, and I know sometimes lads can say that that balance is that sometimes players will up themselves with what happened and as you say rightly the lads put in a, a Trojan effort in the second half but it must have been tinged a couple of months later you must have been thinking in your own mind if if, if, if I hadn't have done that or what might have been if you had another 35 minutes in Crow Park Yeah sure look I was thinking that from for the whole second half never mind but look I think 
it does dispel any any idea of Wexford being a one man team. Like the performance led put in the second half was just nothing short of unbelievable. I think we were we were similar to the media. I think we were ten, eleven points down and got that back to two. Um we were definitely eight or nine down and to get it back to two. So I think it's it, it's a it's a great reflection on the rest of them, to be honest. if any if if nothing else that it just shows exactly what they were made of. Um I suppose it would have been a handy enough excuse to say that I was gone and sure look at we'll throw we'll throw our hat and throw the towel in, but you know, anyone that knows uh, a lot of those lads and especially those lads I'd mentioned there earlier on um, knows that crew of lads them lads weren't going to were never going to roll over um, and they certainly didn't that day so I think as I said if anyone was ever in, in any doubt I think that proved that day of what, what, what the rest of them were made of um, Manny after the game like after that game and I don't mean like that night or the, the following week but the next season the county board Wexford's county board we've we've, we've a team now that's after being beaten in an All-Ireland semi-final, there's one of, if not their most important, biggest player had to go off injured at half-time. They're beating six points. Tyrone go on and win an All-Ireland. I think Tyrone won by, I think they beat, I can't remember, was it Curry? I think it was Curry. Curry beating Cork by the replay. Yeah. They beat them by four points maybe in, in, in the final. So, you know, they'd gotten a right rattle off of Wexford. You know, Wexford are the only Leinster team in the last four in the country. Um, did the attitude towards Wexford footballers from a county board perspective change in the next few years do you know what I mean like was it like I've seen it in Wexford was it 50-50 support for footballers or hurlers or did it still stay with that I would say 80-20 um, to be honest it's 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 difficult enough to answer that because like we were really only concentrating on playing like and, and 2009 was ended up being like a, a disaster Um we we were relegated in the league from what I can remember I think I only played two league games I got hurt badly and, and played no championship um, Paddy Colfer got badly injured Redmond Barry got badly injured Philip Wallace was badly injured you know it was just it was it, everything went pear-shaped from start to finish we lost the first round to I think it was Kildare up in Carlow heavily uh, Kieran McGinney had taken them over for the first year but like we, we had such a bad league campaign uh, with so many guys out injured Um you know, we just could not get get ourselves going. We couldn't get any momentum. And I like I don't know, to be honest. I think that would probably be something nearly you'd probably have to ask Jason Ryan or some of the backroom team. Look at we would have felt we were looked after okay. Would we ever have felt we were getting the same as the hurdles? I don't think so. Um and I would say it's certainly the case uh, before and it definitely would be the case now from looking from the outside in, but um that's a, it's a tough look at we we weren't I wouldn't say we weren't we, we were really wanting for a whole lot, but it would, would be just some stuff around us that um, you would feel that you know you you aren't getting uh, you aren't getting a fifty fifty. I think would be I think would be the, the politically correct answer to it, Eddie. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. We'll we'll we, we'll we'll come back to 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 the GEA side of it, the, the hurling football split in Wexford again in a, in a couple of minutes. Before we go to that, I just want to talk to you about you had two spells with the international rules teams um, in two thousand and four and two thousand and five. Um, did you get one of the trips to Australia, or was it one in Australia, one in Ireland, or both in Ireland? No, I was lucky. I we, I got we were played in Ireland in two thousand and four, and luckily I got to Australia in two thousand and five, um, which was kind of Jesus unbelievable to be fair. Um, so generally, like the, there was a new manager would come in every every two seasons, and the first one would always be at home. So if you played at home and you'd gone reasonably well, which I did in Ireland, you were always going to get a good shout for for two thousand and five. And thankfully, I got trials again in two thousand and five. Had a decent two thousand and five with Wexford, um, because we're obviously back in the in the Division One League final. Um, and was lucky enough to get to get on the on the on the plane, I suppose as they say. So look at it was 
it was a pretty pretty uh, amazing trip um, all around. Like we were we were beaten in the in the two games, but like it was a nice um, just insight into I suppose kind of being like semi professional for a number of weeks where you're you know you literally do nothing only train and rest and stuff like that and you know to get a trip to Australia with that crew which actually was a really really good crew of players um, some great people on it um, and just an unbelievable experience you know it was something I'll, I'll never forget yeah because uh, like obviously you know we, I, we'd be looking at the Aussie rules side of it and you know the the, the compromise rules game it's 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 unfortunately seems to have, have, have faded away it was one thing I always kind of thought I love it purely for the player's perspective to get a nice holiday you know and I know it's not a holiday I know there's a lot of training but there is crack as well and it's it is social too um you know I, th- I just thought it was a super treat to be given a group of players to let them go out there and actually compete against a professional side like when you went down to Australia did you have time to have the bit of crack was there any lads from around the country that you thought were particularly good fun off the pitch loads um, like and it was the one thing about that like to be a lot of lads I would have on that trip with that I'd be very friendly with still and it's only because it's the only time you get to know them you know like it, it, it most of it to be fair for the first two weeks most of it was kind of train and rest and you know there would have been social activities there would have been golf and stuff like that but you know we, it was obviously taken seriously but you know when, when the second test was over and, and, and the series was over we were there for probably an extra maybe 8 to 10 days at the time just literally on holiday and you know to be able to kick back and relax and you know, have a few drinks with lads who you would never normally particularly that northern northern lads uh, lads from Kerry and that who like you know the lads from Leinster that you will meet you regularly we would have played with them for Leinster in the interprovincials um, but you get to know lads from you know, from Northern Counties, Tyrone, Kerry, you know, and still would be very friendly with him, which is great, you know, it's nice because I said you, you never really get a chance to in the in the GA season. You're playing against them and once that's over you go straight back to your club to play and then it's back in again. So it's it's a bit of a merry go round, but I was look at it was it was unbelievable and like most of them, you know, ninety nine percent of them I have to say would be or a hundred percent and you know, we're all everyone's interested in the same thing. So, you know, we've we've a lot of stuff in common. Yeah, we had a, a Kilkenny hurler here. Chap Clare was over playing with the Banks during a, a Compromise Rules series one time, and uh, I think the lads were playing. I can't remember where they were playing somewhere in Sydney or something like that. The Irish team was playing, but the group of lads from Bank of Ireland, the Banks, do this kind of World Championships too, and they were playing the Army yeah. and whatnot. But the boys went into uh, one of the bars right opposite the stadium, uh, all dressed in their Ireland gear because they were with the Bank, and they told the lads behind the bar that they're the Irish Compromise Rules team. So they got a private area, got a few pints, but then the Irish Compromise Rules team arrived in to get something to eat, <laughs> and the boys Julie had to jump out windows and whatnot to get out of the bar before they were killed. But it was always one of the the funniest things I ever remember hearing a uh, chap telling us about. Matty, just just with your Wexford career, like the game in Salt Hill, obviously you, you had a, you had a, you had a game to remember. Is do you know what's the story Matty Ford will tell his his grandkids when he's sitting at a point, and and the, the grandkid says, you know, granddad, what was what was the proudest moment you had in a Wexford jersey? What was the one that stands out? What's the one that comes to your mind straight away when I ask that? Um, yeah, look at the, the Galway game up in up in, um, in June. Obviously, was a big one, but probably the, the championship match against um, Offaly in Wexford Park. Um, I would say because obviously it's a championship game and it's a home. Um, you know, there was a massive crowd in Wexford Park. Obviously mostly fueled by the, the hurlers having won Leinster the week before and, and I think the Bob O'Keefe Cup was going to be paraded at half time so that obviously helped to, to swell the crowd but the crowd was there that evening you know a really nice good summer's evening the, the sun was shining and you know it was, it was, I was captain of Wexford at the time as well so to, to score like you you don't score too, ten in too many championship matches um, and then to go on and win it obviously which was the most important thing 
Um, but I think to me that's the one that probably sticks out the most. So Galway was great, and there was a couple of other ones where there was there was a good big score. But to do it in a championship game, look at obviously the, the All Ireland quarter final was was a big one too because I said I wouldn't I wouldn't have been probably near to 100% fit and you know to, to, to build to beat a team like Armagh who would we be, who we lost to in the league final and who we would have had so much respect for and who were who were so well fancied to beat us and get to an All-Ireland semi-final where we obviously never had been before hadn't been in, in, in 50 odd years so Exford was, was obviously nice but I, I, I look at probably the, the awfully one to be fair um, yeah, you know, no, it's no, something that, that won't, won't, won't happen too often no you can sing it it won't and then from from opposition counties now we won't, we we go outside of Wexford the, the the toughest marker you know who was the one that you just kind of went oh god not again you know who was that one player that had just 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 pulled the head off you really and just drive you bananas for for seventy minutes yeah that that that's that's the one you always get asked well to me for me it's it's very simple it was Sean Marky Lockhart from Derry um, he was an absolute nightmare and for some reason Derry had probably four or five different guys over the years like that that I marked he was. He was quick. He was aggressive. He was a good footballer. You know, as I say, when people ask me that, like I was, I was lucky enough along the way that I was actually able to keep him scoreless um, on most occasions. He was that good. <laughs> but uh, he was one of these lads who, like, actually wouldn't say anything to you, and they were the ones you want to be more worried about. But he, like, he was a, he was tough as nails, and like he was, he was just a nightmare. And then to make it worse, he's a really nice fellow off the field as well. Oh God! Um, the, the you know, you have that... guys who are sledging and poking you off the ball and on the ball and everything else. Um, but uh, he's just—he's a real gentleman off the field as well, and that's—I I really like to dislike him, but I just can't. But he—he was—he was a nightmare, and by by some distance, he would have been the toughest guy I ever had the, the displeasure of having to mark anyway. Yeah, Derry. Der- I don't know what it is about Derry. I remember going to watch Westmead playing Derry in an All Ireland quarter final. I think it might have been in two thousand and nine or ten, and I remember thinking, God Almighty, these guys are—they're just oh, all over the pitch. Derry just seemed to have really, really strong, physical, tough men, and I remember Desi was being single out for some special treatment on the day as well and I, ever since I kind of not wouldn't be a big fan of Derry but it's nice to know that Sean is a, is, is a nice guy at home in Wexford Manny no, the, sorry go on no like there, there, there was a couple of other guys from, from Derry as well like this, this guy called Kevin McGuckin played cornerback a huge man he was probably as bigger bigger than I was really quick the same really aggressive again a really good fell off the field Kevin McCloy was another big man that had to play full back like for some reason I don't know where we're getting these lads out. There must be there must be good feeding up around up around uh, Dungiven and places like that. But there were there were huge men. But like they were look at away from it, they were they were hundred percent as well. Um, but you know you, you'd kind of you'd, you'd want to dislike him, but it was very hard to you know when you wouldn't meet them meet them socially and, and away from the game. But there were there are tough lads up there. That's for certain. Are the Dubs the easiest team to dislike? Um, like do you know when you're playing, are they the, the um, mouthy ones? No, absolutely not. Um, you know, to be fair, a number of years we played Dublin from my first time playing, I think it was 2001. Um, and after that, you know, there would have been very little in terms of, of that kind of thing with them, I have to say. And the more we played them, the, the kind of less of it there was. Even, you know, even in the in the Leinster final when, the, when they obviously beat us out the gate, you know, there wasn't even any. Look, at there, there were tough lads, tough, hard, but really fair. But I... I as regards being the, the easiest to hate, I just know there's still, I'd, I'd be a lot worse than that sort of. <laughs> so if, I was, if, if if you were to pick out the teams that you found, you know, you just love to play against them because you just wanted to get one over, who's who's on the top of that list? Um, sure, look, we, we never we never actually beat Dublin. I would have loved to have beaten Dublin purely because we knew at the time in that era, if we could have beaten them, we were probably going to win Leinster. Um, 
whether it was if you beat him in a semi-final or a final, obviously you were the champions, but if you beat him in a semi-final at the time, you probably had a really good chance to win him. But Leinster at the stage that time, as you well remember, because Westmead won their one as well, was wide open. So there was, there was Wexford, there was Dublin, there was Kildare, there was Mead, there was Westmead, there was Leash. You know, so any one of six teams, seven teams realistically could have won Leinster at the time. Um, so, you know, Dublin was the one that, you know, and we obviously been in Leinster, we were playing them, you know, every second or third year. So the law of average said if we'd have beaten them once, we, we, were, we had a great chance of winning it. So, you know, they were one who we, we would like to have gotten over with and, and, and just never managed it. Unfortunately, yes. And then at home in Wexford, um, Matty, in club football, you know, you would have came on I mean, every club team that you play against, even when you played against our, our own Duffy Rovers, you know, we'd be singling you now for just to make sure that someone's going to get close to you and give you lots of hugs and stuff like that. What what yeah. what, what markers did you find in, in Wexford particularly difficult to work with? Um, Jesus, that's a good one. You see, the, the, the guys I would have probably played on the Wexford team, which I rarely ended up marking, like the Colin Morris and that, and I had a few good... I had a few good run-ins with Colm and won some and lost some over the years as well. Um, but he, he was excellent. But invariably, we, we didn't we didn't really come across each other too much. And I'd say probably maybe both of us were thankful for that um, on different occasions. Um, like, the, the, there was nobody you, I would, would really have thought that when I was going to play him, you'd just going, oh, Jesus, no, not today. You know, to the extent of the likes of, I said, Sean Marty Lockhart or someone like that. But, you know, there was none of them going to stand back and, and give you a free reign. Um you know, and stand and look at you and admire you. There was there was lots of lads who were who were prepared to get stuck in and maybe even go a little bit beyond that as well. So that look at it, there was none of them were none of them were too handy. But I said there wasn't there wasn't many that you would be you'd be dreading you'd be having sleepless nights nights the the night before either. You know. No, I think unfortunately it was the other way around, Matty. When we were talking to lads in the dressing room on a Friday to let them know they were marking Matty Ford on Sunday that they were going to be having the sleepless nights. Uh, Matty, just just in 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 Wexford, like. We know the era that you were playing football in, it was a brilliant time and it was a brilliant buzz. And genuinely, I believed Wexford football was on the rise. It was something that was going to... Like, I was just thinking about it today. You're in an All-Ireland final in 2008, an All-Ireland semi-final in 2008. You've got Curry and Cork on the other side of the draw and you've Wexford and Tyrone. So you've got Curry still favourites to win an All-Ireland. Tyrone are second favourites to win the All-Ireland this year. Cork are always going to be there or thereabouts. And Wexford have literally... And, I, you know, I don't take any happiness or satisfaction but Wexford have literally fallen off the face of the earth they wouldn't be considered in anyone's wildest imagination as contenders for Leinster or contenders for a good run in the back door like what what has happened in Wexford football do you think? Yeah well look at the, the league tables don't lie and over a period of a few years the, the league sort themselves out pretty well and they, they certainly are at the moment so if you just looking at the league finals the weekend the difference in the standard on Saturday to Sunday was chalk and cheese you know three and four were miles miles behind the Division 1 and 2 finals in terms of quality and everything else so the league tables don't lie and they certainly don't lie for Wexford look at I I kind of think that the team we had was kind of a, nearly a once in a generation team that we just came along together and you know they they kept going for a couple of years you know right up to the to, you know, there was Leinster final again in 2010 or 11 um, that they probably should have won but I think ever since then you know it, it really had faded look at I to me, I suppose the simple answer is that like, we certainly don't, and I don't think anyone could could argue against that, that, that we have put enough into underage football in Wexford, um, you know, over the last 25, 30 years. I, I just, I, I can't, if they have, I can't see where it is. I, I definitely feel there would be more work done at underage hurling level. And again, I don't think there's too many could disagree with that or argue with it. 
Um, you know, that team probably only needed a couple of guys coming in to keep the thing fresh. But like, we just don't have good underage structures in terms of coaching and strength and conditioning. Like, I, I think... I was only talking to Anthony Masters about this recently who's doing a huge amount of Wexford football and a lot of really good work. Like Wexford are like years behind most counties in terms of strength and conditioning and stuff like that. I'm not even talking about it underage but like at adult level um, and like a lot of the clubs are like years behind that again. So, you know, it's it's, you look at younger guys up particularly in the north um, you know, even in school, you know, the, the physical conditioning that is just miles ahead of where we are and I don't believe that's the difference in winning or losing but you know it, Wexford being a dual county and just about every player in, in Wexford playing hurling football is, is is really it's a tough one as well because it's really hard to get really good at something doing it all the time but if you were doing it half the time or as it is now with the way the structure of the championship is doing it less than half the time you know you're just having a hope Yeah it's, it, look, it's interesting that you put it I was speaking with Colin Fenley last week and like Colin Fenley physique everything you know as a player he's, he's, he's a stonewall athlete like Kilkenny Hurlan he's a star but when we were talking about the, the, the programme with Kilkenny GEA and, and, and the training regime with the county he actually said that Ballyhale Shamrocks had almost closed in on Kilkenny now at the level that they train at yeah. so Kilkenny now have to kick on a bit and it it just drew my mind to, to two things number one is Kilkenny have a massively unfair advantage on most counties because they'll say they play football in Kilkenny as well but the truth of the matter is it's a, it's it's a one it's not a dual county it's a it's a it's a hurling county and that's it where if you look at Wexford with a similar population they are trying to throw out both hurling teams and football teams um but the point that you're making about the strength and conditioning what I do look at when I see the Kilkenny lads there is there's a huge amount of emphasis put into that even in the secondary schools and the likes of St. Cairns and the CBS they have full-time strength and conditioning coaches in there working with their hurlers um, but yeah. that's the only focus is is that happening in Wexford yet? It is to a very very small extent but this is something that needs to be done like literally over years it just needs to be I suppose like in Kilkenny and has been for a long time it's a culture that they just the, the train really hard like the thing of them not having football has to be a massive and like the similar to Kerry or Tyrone or places like this you know you won't have many to, to many as a Tyrone footballers having to play a Division 3 Harlan League match you know a couple of weeks for a, a Leinster or, or an Ulster final or the first round of the Ulster Championship or something like that so they would they have, a, they have a huge advantage look at that that's totally up to themselves if they don't want to play Harlan but like I remember being working down in Kilkenny around 2004, 5, 6 along there and you know that's that was when the, that really good Kilkenny team was at the height of it never thought geez they're a great Harlan team but these lads were absolutely eating weights at the time um, you know and I don't for one second agree that you go in and it should be all gym work and all this but I mean it, they were physically just blowing teams out of water at the stage and now look at teams have caught up on them and the same was happening in football with probably with the northern teams to a certain extent the likes of Kerry and that have caught up through really good strength and conditioning um, but I, I I, certainly don't sorry to answer your question I certainly don't feel that or to me it doesn't look very obvious when you see um, the size of some of our our players, even at senior level, that there's there's probably proper strength and conditioning co- or programs in place in 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 most of the schools around the county. No, I don't think so. Yeah, because like it was something we looked at last year. I spoke to a couple of the Carlow players, and we were kind of saying about the divide in finances. You know, the financial support that's yeah. that's afforded to these teams, and 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 the one that jumped out at me was Limerick. If you look at the Limerick senior hurling team right now, like yeah. that's not the product of seven really good hurlers hitting hurling at the exact same time like Wexford had a kind no. of a lucky thing. This is something that we- Limerick GEA specifically said and I'm going to say it, 13 years ago maybe 
right, let's create a culture and create this group of lads and the whole lot. Like all of these boys would have come up minor under 21 senior. They've come up through all them steps, probably in development squads at under 16 where they would have been given nutritional plans, strength and conditioning plans, you know, everything, recovery plans after training, top class training sessions. And now we're looking at probably the most complete hurling team of a generation with these lads. Like, it can it can be done if, if counties want to finance it and push it. Like, Limerick is living proof of it, I think. Yeah, look, uh, I, I would agree with you 100%. The only thing is, like, most counties probably don't have a JP McManus, which uh, is a massive help. And look, at fair play to them, but, like, what you're saying is dead right because a lot of those guys saying they're now one either, I think it was either two or three under-21s in a row as well. Um, but, it, like, it can be done. You don't necessarily have to have the best players, but if you get proper structure in place, proper culture in place, you know, and lads are prepared to buy into it, that's, look, that's hard now as well. It, playing inter-county sport now, hurling our football, is is tough going, and, you know, there's very little rewards at the end of it for a lot of them. Um, you know, if you take out two or three teams out of the senior football championship, you know, that's all realistically can win, can win the All-Ireland in football. And probably the same in Hurling. You know, Hurling is probably a little bit more open, but there's still only, what, 12 teams in the, champ- in the All-Ireland Hurling Championship altogether. And realistically, on any given year, it's only three or four of them that can win it. So um, it is tough going. But uh, look, at it, it's something that I think that can be done, but it has to be... There's no, you're not going to do it over a year or two or three years. It's something that needs to be done over probably the duration of a, of a guy's playing career, which is probably from... You know, from 13, 14 to, to finishing adult is probably only about 15 years. It's actually quick enough. It actually goes by very, very quick. But it does need to be done over that period of time. Like doing it over a year or two, well, it'll be gone, you know, as quick as it's after coming, I think. Yeah, and like it is, and it, like you said yourself, there is great people like Anthony Masson. He's a guy I'd have a lot of time for and a lot of respect for. He's, you know, he's throwing himself in there doing his best with you know to try and promote football in the county and work with people and, and get the coaching structures in place but it it does in some cases it does come back down to the finance and how much people want to spend on that too and as you rightly say it's great for Limerick to have a JP McManus but you know when you when you look to other places and to other counties you know the the, the systems that are in place like Dublin you know there's no one can argue like Dublin have a, a massive yeah. advantage on everybody else because their players can nearly go full time I did hear now I don't know if this is something you've noticed yourself Matty I did hear last week I spoke to a guy about a specific county panel I won't name them and he told me that the manager had made a decision last year that no player was going to be coming in that was working on building sites or basically he just felt that if you're working full time as a block layer, for example, that you're physically not going to be able to train as well. So they, they made a conscious decision to try and avoid that type of person, or else get them a different job. Yeah. Have you seen that happening yourself? I haven't, but look, it it it, it, it makes sense. Like the the fresher you're able to come to train, and you know, I came off building sites myself over the years to go training, and to be certainly even you wouldn't be in the best of shape. You know, you you could have to come off a building site after being you know getting rain horsing down on you all day. Um, and you're not going to be in the best of order to train, but like I don't just reversing a little bit. I don't believe for a second that throwing unlimited money at anything will work either. You, but you do need money to do it, and you need quite a bit of it. But that you then need um, proper structures in place, and proper programs in place, and proper people to follow them up. And you know, you need young lads particularly will need somebody kind of on top of them all the time to get them into it. But like. I think if you were to go and probably spend some time with the Limerick team or any of the, any of the top inter-county teams at the moment, it's nearly driven by the players themselves. You know, they're already in it. The culture is there, particularly in the likes of Kilkenny and Limerick and Dublin and places like this. And to just know, like, you were on there earlier about um, 
you know, the guys in, in, in secondary schools in Kilkenny having strength and conditioning programs, they know if they want to hurl for Kilkenny, this is exactly what they have to do. And, you know, it's easy enough then to, to get lads to buy into it um, rather than trying to coax guys to buy into it. No, that's a fair point. Well made. Matty, you stepped into a backroom role there with Paul Galvin for, for a small while there when Paul went in unfortunately Paul's tenure didn't last very long either I think it was just wrath but on, on, on luckiness you know your time in the camp like I don't know from the outside looking in it's very easy to kind of join the dots but that's not how these things happen in fairness but there was a number of players dropped off the panel and then you had to step away because of work commitments it didn't look great for, for Paul if you know what I mean at the time because this was all yeah. coming kind of fast and furious like what, what was it like I know it was only a short spell but what was it like in the camp yeah, well, I, 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 can, I can kind of tell you exactly. So, Paul, I had kind of made a decision not to go near kind of any Wexford panel for a good number of years after I'd been involved with the minors and I would have felt they were treated very, very poorly um, in maybe, I don't know, what, 2017 or something, somewhere along there. Um, I just felt, you know, they were, they were like, literally like second-class citizens and there was, there was a good few reasons to back that up. But anyway, I'd, I'd stepped away. I knew Paul got the job and I knew Paul quite well and I'd met Paul through the international rules and, and playing against him and stuff like that. And maybe someone I'd have a huge amount of time for. So kind of uh, through gritted teeth, I went and met him and he told me kind of what he he had in mind and stuff like that and I would have been very impressed with him because I know he, he does he studies the game a huge amount and he's he's a real kind of a thought to, as people have, have said he's a, a student of the game I'm not really sure what that means but he, he really does study the game and he really understands it so um, like and obviously he was a hell of a player himself so I, I said look at I told him my situation at work at the time I was working um, driving a, a government minister so I was week on week off and I don't on my week on work I, I wouldn't get to training so I told him this and he said, look, I'll come in and we'll see how it works. So look, I knew very quickly um, it wasn't going to work for me because I thought that, look, if I as a player, um, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have been here half the time. And I said, like, as I, I would expect players to be there all the time. They would expect the management to be there all the time. So I said, look, I'm kind of not happy with this. And I, I was actually the first to go. Um, but I know, and I spoke to Paul about it since, and I know he, a lot of his reasons for going and frustrations for going would have been I suppose the, the, the backing he felt he kind of wasn't getting um, he wanted to come in and, and set down a marker in Wexford um, and, and bring in exactly what we've been talking about you know professionalism um, change the culture because look at it I had been involved in the senior management a couple of years before and like it, there's no doubt about it, it was definitely slipping um, and slipping big time you know it said that was only what, six, eight years after the All-Ireland All Ireland final, All-Ireland semi-final and you know, we were going back down through the divisions rapidly and not looking like we were coming out of them so Paul was trying to change things and set down a few markers and you know, to be honest I wouldn't have had a major problem with any of the decisions he made um, if I had been there with him I, I, I would have actually backed him up to be honest um, he was, you know, we, there was one, one case of a, a player going on holidays um, you know, a couple of maybe five, six weeks before Christmas and Paul kind of said to him, you know, look, I'd, I'd expect you to be doing a bit of work when you're away and the guy kind of laughed at him and, you know, no one, Galvin, it's just, it wasn't the right thing to do and, you know, the, the players just, a lot of the players wanted the scene to kind of play on their own terms um, and Paul Galvin having come from, you know, winning whatever it was for all Ireland with Kerry and a couple of All-Stars and having to be played at that level, you know, he didn't get to that level by, by coming and going when it suited him so he was, put, he was, very definitely putting down his own marker and putting down his own stamp. But look at, I know there's plenty of the players who were left there when Paul left, and they would have been more than happy for him to stay. Um, it wasn't as if there was any unrest with players. Absolutely, he dropped a few guys, um, maybe one or two of them a little harshly. But I think 
I think in a couple of cases it probably needed to be done to be honest yeah because look I I remember when like the whole thing for me I thought with COVID coming in and it just it was just unfortunate uh, timings but I remember like Paul Galvin came in with a big personality I thought it was a great opportunity for Wexford GEA to start promoting football again now he, he he was very clear on his like I read an article and, and it was a quote from him he basically had said about David Fitzgerald was a very nice guy in the media and the whole lot but behind the scenes he was a little prick basically or something along them lines <laughs> um, you know and like he felt that one of the things he did feel so strongly about was that the Wexford Herders were getting, you know, far more or far better treatment than the footballers. And I, and I felt, from what I could understand, Paul Galvin didn't feel the love in Wexford that David Fitzgerald was afforded. But that's, to be honest, you're after someone a hop better in about three sentences there than I did in the, in the previous five minutes. Because that's, look at in a nutshell, that's exactly what it was. And that's, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to, to be kind of, you know, going out and people saying, "Oh, he's kind of leaving in the strop or whatever like that." But like that's in essence is is, is kind of what happened. Um, you know, it, but look at it. it's like we were talking about kind of early in the conversation. Do the hurlers get the same afforded the same? Um, so as royalties as, as the as the hurlers, I don't think to do. Um, I still don't think to do. I think it's probably, um, you know, it's it, it's. It's never, it's never really going to change. It's never going to be the same. You know, I look at it and, and I've had kind of a few run-ins with the county board and people have quoted stuff I said in that. But you know, it's not the same, and and I don't think I don't think it's ever been the same. Um, you know, we were we were offered free stuff in two thousand eight. You know, when we were when we were in the All Ireland semi final, and we were told unless the hurlers are getting it, we are not getting it, and we didn't. Um, you know, it's just it's kind of strange. This stuff was, was costing nothing. We were getting it free. Um, but you know, unless unless the hurlers got it, we weren't allowed to get it, and that's that's the way it stood. And look, at it, I I don't really think it's changed um, over the years, to be honest. Yeah, like it's 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 one thing that I get baffled by as well, and I'd have a huge amount of time for for like I, I do a bit with the Wexford County Board, I do a bit with Kilkenny's County Board, and I'm delighted to do it. And I and I know a lot of volunteers give up to do brilliant jobs and the whole lot, but it's it's the one thing that I, it always baffles me is if players leave a setup saying how well they're looked after how brilliant it is how great you know this is what attracts more people to want to do it you know it's it's yeah. you know when you because you don't you look at the Dublin setup there's a few players have dropped out of the panel but there's no player in Dublin they, they couldn't honestly go on a, anything and say they felt they weren't as well looked after even the Dublin hurlers I believe like the Dublin footballers are celebrities but the Dublin hurlers I, I, I've been told before that there's not as much as a sock given to the Dublin footballers that the herders don't get that they make sure that everything is spent 50-50 whether you believe it or not but that's supposedly yeah. what, what happens there you know and I think you know in dual counties like Galway and Wexford I think somebody should be put in charge of that and said look there's the finances at the start of the year 50% of them go to the left and 50% of them come to the right simple as yeah, well, look, I know, I know from for a fact that I, I, I with my current job with with Body Roy, I, I'd be over all over the country selling selling sportswear, and I know, like in Kerry, where obviously football is massive, um, I know the hurlers get treated exactly the same, um, and you know, I, I would have that on good authority from guys there in North Kerry, which is big hurling country, said they will want for nothing, we get looked after exactly the same, you know, anything that the footballers get, the hurlers are entitled to it, they'll get it, and it's not even a question. Um, but you know, look at I, I, I certainly wouldn't have felt over my own time playing, um, and then been involved in backroom teams at minor and senior and under twenty one level, and pr- probably even looking from the outside now and you know listening to what's going on and having seen how it all myself, I, I certainly wouldn't feel it's the case. It's the case in Wexford. No, no, that's unfortunate, Matty. Before I let you go, 
you know, you're 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 at the end of the days now. I know you had a bit of a swan song there last year in the football as well. What's what's the story? Is it is it is it is it all over now? Or are you going to try and play football again next year for the club? No, definitely not. Um, I, I've I've hung up my boots well and truly. Um, I played a bit of I played a bit of junior last year in goal, and we were we were I was actually we were involved over the senior team and over the junior team, so we were. We were just short. It wasn't by choice or was mad to play, but we were just really short in numbers. So I ended up playing in the goal, but I tore my I tore my hip flexor pretty bad uh, kicking the ball out one day, and I just said, "No, look at it. Someone is someone is telling me something here." So the only thing I'll be putting putting on footwear for from here on will be to play golf, and that's a lot less a lot less stressful and a lot less hassle. And and I, I'm really looking forward to it. So we only had a, a little fella born back in October there it's our first it's our first child so oh, congratulations. we have our hands full for a while and it's a nice it's, look at it's a lovely um, it's a lovely distraction and look at I'm going to most likely probably going to step away from football for a little while um, look at it just I've been involved probably since I was probably seven eight years of age kind of non-stop all year round at some level or at some standard or playing or in management or coaching or something or both probably at times and look, I'm actually looking forward to getting a little bit of break, a little bit of a, a break away from it. And I said, I'm playing a bit of golf and stuff like that. And you know, like I said, there's there's plenty at home here to, to keep us keep me keep me occupied at the moment as well. So look at this, I'm just looking forward to probably doing something a bit different. Um, God, lads are slagging me. I got away with it for long enough. So. I'm, uh, I'm probably going to have to do something now, all right, to be fair. No, well, well, Matty, on that note, what I will say to you is you've given me and, and, and lots of Wexford football supporters and, and people who just support football in general, you've given us some some brilliant days on the field of play. Uh, you've, you've been a joy to watch all the way through your career, both at club and, and at county level, and I, and I really mean that. And if anyone deserves a, a bit of respite to go out and smack golf balls out fairways and, and, and find golf the most frustrating sport in the world, you uh, most certainly deserve that, Matty. And from myself um, on the Clash Act I just want to say thanks a million for, for taking the call with me this evening and having a chat with me No look and there's no problem I, I, I every day I go out I enjoy golf because I get left leave the phone in the car for four hours and you go out and have a bit of crack and I don't take me I don't take me golf too seriously and it's it's um, you know I, I took sport serious enough for long enough and I'm not good enough at golf to go on and worrying and not worrying about playing well and stuff like that but no look thanks very much Eddie um, I know you for, for a long time at this stage and you know look I, I really enjoyed me my, my playing career if I went back and could I go back and change things no you certainly would it's not going to happen at this stage um, just you look back with you know pride joy sadness regret a bit of everything um, but look it is what it is at this stage and I look I can't complain too much I think I had a I had a pretty good career. Um, I won a bit of silverware along the way, and and I think more importantly, made made plenty of friends um, along the way, and made some memories that you know that I'll have for the for the rest of my life, and maybe can pass on on a few as well. So, no, look, thanks for having me on, and, and I really enjoyed the chat. No, you're an absolute star. That is, of course, Matty Ford, the former Wexford football star, joining me on this week's Clash Act. I look forward to speaking with you all again over the next couple of weeks.